Welcome back to Snap Judgment, live at the Paramount, already in progress. As this story does contain some adult situations, listener discretion is advised. He was born right down the street. So give some love, if you would, to your own Mr. Don Reed. One of the main things about being homeless is you end up doing things you wouldn't normally do. I left the comfort of my grandmother's fairly nice white house with green trim, delicious soul food, cornbread infused meals, and a warm pillow to be the first person in my family to attend a major university. I was nervous waiting for that acceptance letter. I opened it cautiously and it started out, we are pleased. That's all I needed right there. Bad shit does not start with we are pleased. It starts with we regret. As in we regret to inform you ass that things are not gonna work out. I was excited, but it had a lot of pressure on my, my family saw me off with high hopes and big expectations. But I didn't have enough money, and I wasn't honest about that, but I knew they didn't have it, but I had to go, right? Things started off not so bad, 350 miles from home at UCLA. I was crashing in a different dorm room every night. But this one girl was on to me. She was on to me. She was like five foot. She was like four foot. She was hella short, okay? Hella short and hella nosy. She'd be walking around dorm parties with a drink going, hey, Don. Where do you live? Where do you live, Don? I said, uh, that's not important. No, I want to know. Because I know you don't live in this dorm. I checked the registry next door. I know you don't live over there. So where do you live, Don? I lied. I said, I live in uh, Hollywood with my brother's friend. And, you know, sometimes I just, you know, crash over here. Oh, just crash over here. How convenient, Don. Where are you from originally, Don? I don't want to tell her Oakland because I know she's going to jam me up, right? So I said, uh... I'm from the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. All right, Don. We even got busy a couple times. You know, college students just doing it for the hell of it, but she'd bring that shit up as soon as we were done. She'd be like, ah, ah, ah. Where do you live, Don? Where do you live? (laughs) So I had to get away from her ass, right? So I got a great idea. Down the hill from the UCLA campus was this movie theater that played the same movie on a loop all day long. I could sneak in there, get a nap without anybody bothering me. I saw The Empire Strikes Back 37 times. But they caught on to me. Had to do a lot of pretending, a lot of lying about where I was staying, but if I kept it moving around, nobody would know, right? And so I had to do more things I wouldn't normally do. Like hang out with my older brother's friend who moved down to LA. His name was P. P would often wear purple spandex t-shirts, tight, sleeveless, Jordache jeans, 
a purple bandana tied around his neck, and white cowboy boots with red stitching in them, with his pants stuffed down in them. And I'd be dressed just like him, but in blue. And I had this ridiculously thick, thick, thick-ass mustache, and with these thick eyebrows, I looked like I had three mustaches. He did a lot of cocaine, tons. He snorted it, but mostly he smoked it. I spent hours feigning deep interest as P went through the detailed chemistry of cooking cocaine into rock formation so he, so we could smoke it. See, I had to do drugs even when I didn't want to. I had to do drugs just so I could have somewhere to be. And because he lived in this teeny one-bedroom apartment with his girlfriend, I could only crash there every once in a while. And so I'd say, I'm heading to my dorm room. But there was no dorm room. And so most of the time, I just sat there and smoked cocaine until the numbing flow took hold, hoping through the cloud of smoke, he would say, Hey, man, you just want to crash here? And I wanted to say, thank God. But faking it, I would say, I, I might as well, right? One night, I didn't even go to sleep. I went straight to class from P's place. I was already paranoid around the students who had money and parents who were doctors and lawyers And now here I was sitting in class, high and self-conscious on a whole nother level, as the professor went over Robert Frost poems, The Road Not Taken and Snow. How ironic, snow. I'll never know how I got bees on those interpretations, tired as I was, worried about whether whether or not I was passing for normal. Did I smell? Could I not smell myself? Did they know I hadn't taken a shower? Sometimes two, three, sometimes four days. Because I was sneaking to the gym and take a shower, but I didn't have a gym class, so that wasn't guaranteed. And could they smell despair? Because my next question always was, how am I going to eat today? And a lot of times I figured that out by going to this long row of vending machines on campus, hoping nobody saw me as I pretended to put money in, full frustration so I could check the coin returns, finding 35 cents, 50 cents, 75 cents elation. And the disappointment when I found nothing. And knowing I was going to have to steal somebody's book so I could sell it at the book buyback so I could eat. More stuff I wouldn't normally do. And so the line continued. Somehow I got a girlfriend I had to lie to her all the time. See, to not outstay my welcome at her place, I told her I lived at P's house but that she shouldn't come over there. Too many drugs, too many wild people. 
But most of the time, I wasn't going to P's house. Most of the time, I wasn't going anywhere. Most of the time, I was riding the bus to the end of its route till three o'clock in the morning. And so I had to do more stuff I wouldn't normally do. And some of the stuff was just plain crazy. Looking for a job, I went to the classifieds and I found an excellent opportunity. Seeking male strippers for a Chippendales like review. I weighed, the, I weighed like 11 pounds back then, but I was desperate. Come on down to the last call. Went over to Peace House, I got ready. I put on my tightest stonewashed jeans, t shirt. It looked like a chicken bone with an Afro wig balanced on it. Not a good look. I was about to leave. P walked in. Hey, man, where are you going?、Um, I'm going to uh, uh, a job uh, interview.、Um, To try out to be a male stripper. <laughs> to be a stripper and you go in the shit you got on right now? No, you need to take all that off. You know what? You know what? Not? Let's get you ready. Let's get you ready. Let's get you ready, okay? Okay.、Uh, first of all, women like leather. He pulled out a leather jacket and matching leather pants. He said, but before you put that on, you gotta put this on. He went in a drawer and he pulled out a purple shiny G string. Now, why he had a purple shiny G string just readily available, I have no idea. But he flung that at me. I was like, eh. He said, all right, let's get your hair together. He slipped on some rubber gloves, hit some cream, and he slapped it against my head. I'm like, it's burning, man. It's burning. It's burning. He said, it's supposed to burn. It's supposed to burn. What he was doing is he was transforming my hair into what is known as the Jerry Curl. If you're not familiar with the African American hairstyling disaster, That is the Jerry Curl. Let me break it down for you, okay? When you're done with the hairstyle, when it's complete, if you don't look like you're sweating profusely, you didn't do it right. You need to look like that. And it requires a vast amount of conditioner and an immense amount of activator. Activator sounds like something a superhero would have. Activator. And superheroes wear capes. And that's just about what you need to capture all the wet shit that's gonna be traveling down your back. He said, All right, now. He grabbed a decanter of baby oil and he squoze it on me. Yes, I said squoze. He said, Rub that up and down your body. The lady's gonna love it. The lady's gonna love it. <laughs> I remember dripping, dripping with the hair stuff and the baby oil onto my socks and into the tight leather pants and the tight leather jacket. He said, Go on down there, catch the bus. It was a hot, hot, hot ass day. When I got off the bus, I was squishing down the street. It was two o'clock in the day outside. Inside the club, it was dark. Ten or fifteen guys were standing around waiting to audition. This guy named Marco, the manager, took the stage. All right, glad you guys could be here. Welcome to the last call. Our goal is going to put Chippendales out of business, okay? Now, normally this is a club where guys come to watch ladies dance. But now, Thursday nights only. Only ladies that minute to watch you guys shake it up in a sexual manner. Well, the best of you, anyway. Gonna pick the very best. Okay. Let's go over this list of names, okay? First of all, you don't w a n t to use your regular name. You w a n t to kind of create like a, a stage character, okay? So I'm just gonna throw out some names and see if they stick, okay? Okay, first on the list here, I see we got uh, Mark. Uh, Mark, let's call you Thunder. 
this big built black guy walked out on stage. Started dancing. He was amazing. Next on the list here, I see we got Timothy. Uh, Tim, let's call you Majestic. Another black guy with long Stevie Wonder braids with little colorful beads on the end. Had on a burnt orange suede like African loincloth. And he was doing stag jumps like <laughs> <laughs> He was a Ike. Next on the list here, I see we got uh, Don Reed, okay? Don just throwing names out. Let's just try, let's just practice with it, okay? Uh, ladies, put your hands together for Lil Chocolate. Did he say Lil Chocolate? I don't like that name at all. Gotta work on that name. Had to dance to two songs. First, I danced to Michael Jackson's Billie Jean. Then I stripped down to P's purple G-string and his white cowboy boots with the red stitching, I swear. And I danced to something like this. I was nervous and blinking. I was slipping in the emollients. And I left there mortified. And I left a trail like a snail up the street. Why was I going through all this? Can I get help from somebody, family, somebody? I already got help. And I couldn't get any more. So, I was doing it for the pride. I couldn't go home and tell everybody I didn't make it. They had such high hopes for me, I, I couldn't go home. And another thing about being homeless is you've got to stay up the latest so nobody knows where you're going. you got to get up the earliest so no one knows where you've been. So you never get good rest because wherever you are isn't home. The movie theater isn't home. The bus ride is not home. The bench by the library isn't home. The bathroom stall where you hide your feet so when security looks under it closing isn't home. And there's something else missing. A pillow. There's no pillow, but you're constantly trying to make one out of, a, out of a backpack or a jacket or your arm, and it's exhausting and it's humiliating, and it simply isn't home. So you keep on doing things you wouldn't normally do. I was looking for a place to live when I ran across 
this student on campus, a guy I'd been complaining to about money. Tall, blonde guy, attractive, likable. He explained everything to me, where I was supposed to go, how I was supposed to act, how much I was supposed to charge. He said, um, you know, there's this place you just go down there well-dressed and hang out. Eventually you'll be approached, you know, eventually, you know, things will just take their pace. I took my last $1.25 and I caught the bus down to this big art and design center, a place where older women went to meet young men. I seen American Gigolo and it seemed really cool. I mean, he had the cars and the money, everything. It was glamorized, but it was definitely pretty cool. But once I was standing there, looking through a window at a big full-length Persian rug, once that older brunette woman in the red suit approached me, once she made eye contact, once she nodded for me to follow her, once I realized that I was about to sell myself, it, uh, it didn't feel so cool. It didn't feel cool at all. The blonde guy told me, never mention money, call it a gift. I had, I had sex with her right there in the car. Afterward, I said, uh, can I have something, uh, you know, a gift, anything? She said, if I do, then I did, and then that's who I am. Instead of, we just had a good time, you know? She dropped me off at the bus stop. I had no money, and so I walked five miles to P's place, past the dirty bars and diners, past the X-rated movie theaters, past the professional street walkers and hustlers with holes in my shoes. I had holes in my shoes, I did. A few days later, I got word that I was hired to work as a waiter at a hotel in exchange for free room and board, free room and board. I got offered that gig as a stripper, but I did not call their asses back. <laughs> Walking in that room the first time, huge weight off my shoulders. It was small. It was not a nice white house with green trim. It was dark, kind of scroungy, but it was mine. I saw something there, hadn't seen it in a while. A pillow, my pillow. That night, I got some of the best rests I had in a long time. On campus, I saw, where do you live, Don? 
I got a place. I went back to class and I sat there different. I could stop lying. I wasn't hungry or self-conscious. I didn't smell. I didn't have to check the vending machines for change anymore. And I could hang out with people if I wanted to, not because I had to. And I could tell, I was pretty sure I wasn't going to have to do anything else I wouldn't normally do. Judgment Storyteller of the Year, Sudan Reed. Changing the world, one story at a time. See Don Reed's performance, this one, in brilliant Technicolor, snapjudgment.org. And let people know, you swing snap by wearing the stylish, yet classy Snap Judgment pin the Snap Judgment ringtone or extra Snap stuff, including the Jen Covert comedy special never before broadcast, all of it available right now at snapjudgment.org. Snap Judgment.